0: This is the third week of our Family Month series. We're thinking about the kingdom of God in the home. And uh, the first of those weeks, we talked about that. And then the second week about righteousness in the home. And then the third week, this week, we're going to talk about peace. I want to read our passage to us. It's Romans chapter 14, verses 17 through 19. And this time I'm going to ask you if you would read it along with me. We'll follow on the screen the New International Version. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by man. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. So the subject of today's message is peace. We want to discover what real peace is and what steps we can take to experience it, especially in our homes. To get us in the right frame of mind, I would like you to close your eyes, relax, take a few slow breaths, okay, and imagine peace. I'm going to give you a few seconds of quiet to do that. Imagine peace. You can open your eyes. Now, if you're like most people, when you imagine peace, you have a mental picture of some beautiful place, Uh, like a a field of wildflowers, or um, maybe a comfortable room with your favorite book, or the glass-like surface of some wilderness lake at sunset. Right? I'm guessing? The striking thing is that when people take part in this exercise... They tend not to think about certain things. There's almost something missing from their mental picture of peace, whether it's the flowery fields or the comfortable room or the beautiful lake. Can you guess what that something is that's missing? People. When we think of peace, we don't think of people. Michael Ramson's comment: isn't it interesting when asked to imagine peace, the first thing we do is eliminate everyone else. That's because we blame our lack of peace on other people. But the truth is, and it's a hard truth to face, if you're not at peace when people are around, you probably wouldn't be at peace even if you were alone on the edge of the world. You know, on old maps, the edge of the world was where knowledge came to an end and speculation began. So medieval cartographers would write three words along the edges of their maps, hink sunt dracones." there be dragons. To the ancients, unknown and unexplored places were rife with danger, they were dangerous places. But sometimes well-known and familiar places are also dangerous. Some of our homes have been very dangerous places. The words should be written next to our front doors in some cases. Some homes are anything but places of peace. That should not be the case for those of us who name Jesus Lord. Our homes, are to be outposts of the kingdom of God. And remember, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. When King Jesus reigns, peace rules. But that peace, as we saw last week, is founded on righteousness. That is, on right relationships. It simply isn't possible to build a peaceful home on unrighteous relationships, on wrong relationships, ones characterized by unforgiveness or resentment and pride and deceit. If we try to skip over right relationships and jump directly to peace, we will fail every time. And lots of people fail. We're living in anxious times. A 2017 survey conducted by the, the UNICES Security Index shows that levels of anxiety in the U.S. have jumped sharply since the last survey in 2014, and they're at the highest level since the survey began. Someone said if there were an anxiety Olympics, the U.S. would be the gold medalist. There's a woman named Sarah fada She's 37 years old. She's a social media consultant in Brooklyn who recently texted a friend about getting together. When some hours had passed and her friend hadn't texted her back, she posted this on Twitter. I don't hear from my friend for a day. My thought, they don't want to be my friend anymore. She appended the, that, the hashtag, this is what anxiety feels like. And thousands of people quickly tweeted their own examples of anxiety under that hashtag. And some of their posts were retweeted a thousand times. Sarah Fader said, if you're a human being living in 2017 and you're not anxious, there's something wrong with you. Or just maybe, just maybe there's something right with you. And maybe what's right or what's coming right are your relationships. If you have genuine peace, it's because you're principal relationship the one with your creator has come right because of jesus christ and that's making it possible for you to come right in all your other relationships remember you can't bypass righteousness and what is righteousness right relationships being right in relationships you can't bypass that and try to go straight to peace it's like trying to build a house by starting with the roof you won't succeed but people still try. And those people, the ones who skip over righteousness, right relationships, and yet are absolutely determined to have peace, are people in a high-risk category for addiction. You can ingest forgiveness in liquid or pill form. You can buy distraction online or in the store, but you cannot purchase peace. Make it your goal to feel peace And you will wind up addicted. Maybe to alcohol or pills, maybe to porn or sex, maybe to religion or to other people, codependency. And certainly you'll be addicted to distraction, but you will be addicted. Peace must be woven together from right relationships, first with God and then with people. Peace results when the disparate things in our lives are joined together by a commitment to Jesus the Lord that encompasses all of them. Now, I know that many of us in this room long to have peace in our lives. We just long for it. There be dragons at school, dragons at work, dragons in our homes, sometimes in our beds. We just want some peace. Everyone wants peace. Do you know that Amazon tracks the passages that readers highlight in their Kindles? It doesn't matter if it's Harry Potter or Pride and Prejudice or the Bible. Can you guess what passage is the most highlighted one in the Bible? It is not John 3:16. It's not Psalm 23. It's not the Lord's prayer. It is Philippians 4, 6, and 7, the most highlighted passage on Kindle, on Bibles. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. People are dying for peace, especially in their homes. But just reading and highlighting Bible verses will not give you peace. Faith in Jesus isn't magic. It isn't Harry Potter. Peace is the result of weaving everything in your life together, including your relationships, with the unbreakable golden thread of the lordship of Jesus. The Greek word for peace is a We get our name Irene from that word. It means peace. It probably derives from the verb Greek verb aero, which means to join. Tim Keller uses that image to help us understand peace. He says that peace is universal, not just me, but universal, flourishing, wholeness, delight. God, he says, created the world to be a fabric for everything to be woven together and interdependent, woven together, joined. People think of peace that peace is a thing you can get. So they try to get it in a vacation or an after-dinner drink or a pill, but that doesn't last, and there's a reason for that. Peace is not a thing you can get. It's a fabric you weave out of the threads of a righteous life. And remember what that is, a life of right relationships, starting with God, Extending to others. Unrighteousness, relationships that aren't right, are like a flaw in that fabric. They're a weak spot in our peace. Under tension, they begin to fray and our peace comes unraveled. That's why righteousness always precedes peace. How do we weave a fabric that doesn't unravel? We begin by writing our relationships. And we start with our relationship with God. If you haven't done so already, come to God and, and begin, whatever your age, a new life. You do that through faith in Jesus Christ. Through trusting him and entrusting yourself to him in his kingdom. That you can't ignore and reject God's son and still have a right relationship with God. And you can't ignore God and have right relationships with other people. And God wants you to have right relationships with other people. So do what's necessary to that end. But understand, making a relationship right does not mean making it easy. Doesn't mean making it comfortable. It doesn't mean forcing the other person to become right. Right. Whether that means contrite or kind or even reasonable. That's not within your power. When I talk about making the relationship right, what I mean is making you right in the relationship. With God's help, that is within your power. It is not within your power to make the other person right. Remember what Paul said earlier. We read this a few weeks ago. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In chapter 14, verse 19, Paul gives advice that comes from someone who understood how peace works. He says, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Literally, therefore, the things of peace we should pursue. We shouldn't pursue feelings of peace. That only leads to addiction or distraction. Addiction to distraction. We should pursue the things, the components, the things that make up peace. We need to distinguish between a feeling of peace and a state of peace. Most of us are confused about this most of the time. In the prophet Jeremiah's day, people badly wanted the feeling of peace, but they ignored the state in which that peace can exist. So Jeremiah warned, they say, peace, peace, When there is no peace. They were pursuing the feeling, but not the components of peace. What are the components of peace? First one, forgiveness. If you want peace, you must forgive and seek forgiveness. Now, the other person may not cooperate, But don't let that stop you. As far as it depends on you. You pursue the things that lead to peace. You forgive. You ask for forgiveness. Now you might think that excluding the other person from your life, just having nothing to do with him or her, would lead to peace. Paul doesn't let us off that easily. He says make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Or again, literally. Therefore, the things of peace we should pursue and the things of edification for others. There may be times when you must leave a person alone because he or she insists on it, or because your safety or the safety of other persons depends on it. But don't leave people alone as a way of punishing them. Remember, your job is to make yourself right in the relationship, not to make the other person right by punishing him or her. You leave punishment to God. Writing our relationships, better writing ourselves in our relationships, is the single most important thing we can do in our pursuit of peace. But there are other things as well. The passage to which I already alluded, the most highlighted Bible passage on Amazon's platform, the one from Philippians 4, identifies several things we should be aware of. Let me read verses 6 and 7 to you again. I read them to you once already, but here they are again. Do not be anxious about anything that could be translated, stop being anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. First step, bring everything that happens in your life into the sphere of God's rule. This is a major part of what it means to seek first the kingdom of God. This is how you do that. Paul writes, in everything present your request to God. This is more than a technique for dealing with anxiety. It's a conversational relationship with the God of heaven and earth. You talk to him about your life, your dreams, your day, your fears, and his kingdom. It's in that kind of relationship that peace flourishes. You carry on that relationship through prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. It is hard Indeed, it is impossible to imagine a satisfying, peaceful Christian life in which prayer is not central. If you are not characterized by prayer, you're not characterized by peace. Remember what Richard Foster said, all who have walked with God have viewed prayer as the main business of their lives. But prayer is not the only thing in this passage that leads to peace. People who highlight verses six and seven, the two most highlighted verses on the Kindle platform, they highlight them because they have this longing for peace. Those folks need to go on to the next two verses or they stop too soon. Praying is only one thread in Paul's fabric of peace. Look at verse eight now. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So those who pursue the things of peace, who've been made righteous, right, in their relationship with God, and are being made righteous, right, in their relationship with other people, are folks who pray. They pray about everything. They bring everything in their lives to God in service of his kingdom. They take the disparate threads of daily experience and they weave them together around the lordship of Jesus. They change the way they pray. If you don't have peace and you want to have peace, change the way you pray. But that's not all. They also change the way they think. They fill their minds with thoughts of true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy things. They intentionally exclude from their minds thoughts of false, base, wrong, dirty, hateful, gossip-worthy things. You and I will never have peace until we learn to control our thoughts. If you think that's impossible, you are mistaken. Many people have done it. God will help us. We must control our thoughts. So we must change the way we pray, talking to God about everything. We must control the things we think about, including right and beautiful things, but excluding wrong and base things. Now, there's another thing here that leads to peace. Another thread from which the fabric of peace is woven. We must act on the things we know to do. Pray right, think right, act right. Weave those together in right relationships and you will have peace. Act right. You know the old saying, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you always got? If you have not had peace and you do what you've always done, you'll still not have peace. That's guaranteed. You need a new set of daily practices. Look at verse 9. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Whatever you learned. Learned here is the verb form of the word disciple. It's not the usual word for learning something. This is just the verb form of the word disciple. A disciple doesn't learn so that he can pass a test, but so that he can live a life. He learns the way an apprentice in a trade learns so that he can put his knowledge to work. Paul doesn't say, what you've learned, don't forget. He says, what you've learned, put into practice. Do it. And note the promise, the God of peace will be with you. So when you pray right, the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. When you think right and act right, the God of peace will join you. All right, so let's apply what we've seen here. You want peace? Fix relationships. If you try to get peace without doing that, you'll end up in addiction. Want peace? Fix relationships and start with your relationship with God. If you say, I don't have a relationship with God, then that's where you need to start. Learn to pray. Don't feel bad if you don't really know how. It's something that must be learned. Even the apostles had to ask Jesus to teach them to pray. The apostles. Get a book on prayer. Do a Bible study on prayer. Get a concordance and look up prayer. You'll find it hundreds and hundreds of times. Ask some experienced prayers for advice. What do you do? What works for you? Experiment and try some new ways of integrating prayer into your daily routine. People have been working on this for hundreds of years. There's all kinds of great ideas out there. Learn some of them. Put them into practice. Control your thoughts. Learn to pray. Control your thoughts. This idea is reiterated again and again in scripture. You can learn to reject harmful thoughts and replace them with good ones. Changing your thoughts should be one of the topics in your conversational relationship with God. If You say, I just don't have any idea how you do that. We're going to talk about that at Big Bigby Coffee on, at Go Deep on Wednesday night. Come and join us, 645. Finally, Update your routine to include practices you've been learning about, Bible reading, sermons from mature Christian friends, but you have not yet implemented. It is not possible to change your thoughts in an ongoing way unless you also change your behaviors. If your behaviors don't change, they will derail you, and you'll end right back with the same thoughts. And if your thoughts don't change, they'll derail your prayer life and you'll end up only praying in a crisis or not praying at all. So have righteous relationships, pray, change your thoughts, implement new and God-honoring practices into your daily routine. With those things, we can weave a life of peace. Peace. I mentioned earlier that medieval map makers drew dragons on the borders of unknown territory and wrote the words, there be dragons. But those mapmakers often placed another image on their maps as well, the image of Christ. The 13th century Psalter map had dragons at the bottom, but Jesus at the top. The map maker was reminding us that yes, there be dragons, but there is also Jesus Christ our Lord and he is the Lord of heaven and earth. Even in our homes, there may be dragons, but Hik sunt yesu, there is Jesus. The dragon slayer. When he's with us, we can do the right thing even in the dragon's lair. Take courage, people of Jesus. He's with us. Let's pray. Our God, we are so grateful to come and worship you and to think on these high things. Lord, help us to go beyond thinking about them while we're sitting in a building, to living them for your glory. Give us some grit in our souls to trust you until we see it happen. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.